Hey folks, before we get started, I have two things to ask you to do. The first is if you haven't listened to the episode before this one, stop and go and do that. This episode will make a lot more sense if you do. The other request I have is if you go into the show info for this week's episode, you'll find a link for a survey. Now, we're not asking for money. We're not asking for anything like that. But we are wrapping up our second season and we want to hear from you. We want to keep making this show and we want to make it better and better and better. And in order to do that, we need to start hearing from you. So if you could, please take a moment. We're not asking for anything else. Just take a moment. Go to the link in the show info for this week's episode and answer some questions for us. And if you want, I'll send you a button. I really will. Just shoot me an email. Enjoy the episode. Around the time I started working on my brother David's estate, a movie came out called Out of the Furnace. I've never seen it but I saw the trailer a few times. What I gathered was that when Christian Bale's brother dies mysteriously, Christian Bale comes back into town to seek vengeance for his brother's death. It feels like there are a lot of films like this. Surviving brother seeking vengeance for dead rebellious brother. There's Out of the Furnace, Get Carter, but my favorite is 1989's Patrick Swayze action flick, Next of Kin. The family killed his brother. A life for a life. Amen. Amen. But they never counted on his next of kin. If you mess with my brother, you mess with me. Settle this. Now. I hadn't given this movie any thought until I saw what I was heading into with David's estate. He was going into a land he didn't know. Yeah, we're just lobster shawmen down here. Wrong regional accent. Go O's! Old Bay seasoning. Tom Clancy. I thought I was going into this thing to avenge my brother or just prove that I can handle some roughhousing. Actually, I'm trying to figure this out because this fantasy did rattle in my brain and it got bold. But they didn't count on one thing. Party's over, fellas. In my fantasy, I was grabbing dudes by the collar and lifting them. Hey, I don't know anything, man. I, I, was, just, I was just trying to help him out, you know? I was just trying to be a, a friend to your brother. Everything I was doing was justifiable by a U2 song or explosions. Who does he think he is? This is so silly for sure, but I thought I had justice to prove by tackling this estate. Maybe this would prove that I can tackle anything. Then, then we would all stand at David's grave and my family, my siblings would would look at me and say, you did it. You did all of that to avenge his death. And we were so wrong to doubt you. This summer, Mark Bagon is back in Other Men Need Stitches. This was going to be exciting. Thank you for calling Mecca. Please hold while I transmit to the first available agent. Here's what I learned very quickly about dealing with an estate. Not a lot of glass shattering. Unless glass shattering sounds like hold music. <laughs> 
I had this video camera and audio recorder, and I started to document every boring detail. And listening back to it, I don't think I wanted to prove I was a tough guy. In all those movies, the hero was doing it for his brother. Never, ever, ever do one of these movies say, his half-brother. He's never half. The only place that didn't have hold music was the Register of Wills. You have reached the Calvert County government. Hi, I was looking to get in touch with uh, somebody with the um, the Office of Wills and Estates. David didn't have a will, so that was one of the first places I needed to call. Tell me a little bit, what all does David have that is just in his name? On the house, is there a mortgage that you're aware of? Have you found a bank statement? Would you value this estate over uh, $50,000? That's a great question. I don't think okay. so. I don't think so. Um, it looks uh, like here's the, the thing. As someone claiming to be his brother, I didn't even know David's middle name, which was Umberto. Ralph had to tell me that. David and Ralph are my half-brothers. We are my dad's three sons. And I always looked for ways to think of it like that. You know, we're just three brothers, right? Yes and no. Two marriages and a large age gap didn't help. And I didn't realize until later how much I really, really, really wanted an older brother. What's it like being an older brother? Huh. What's it like being an older brother? That's Ralph. His middle name is Gaspar. He also had to tell me that. This older brother absence was another reason why David's presence was such a bright spot for me. He was kind of what I wanted from an older brother, like, get over here, little bro, and let me show you how to hotwire this Trans Am. I like to think we had coming-of-age times together, but Ralph and David, they had coming-of-age memories together. I remember one time uh, driving, and I had finally gotten my first car, uh, a Ford Falcon, and I was in the car with some friends, and we didn't realize that my little brother had snuck into the back seat um, and was hiding back there. And, you know, we're cruising ar- ar- around the, the town and, and probably doing things that we shouldn't have been doing, and all of a sudden he popped up, and it was like, whoa, yeah. So he was always seeking to kind of be near where I was. They grew up in the same house. They shared a nickname for my father, the Colonel. And they had memories, like David sneaking in the back seat of Ralph's car. Now imagine me doing that at seven or eight in Ralph's car. He would have been in his 30s, married with kids. And I don't know that I was jealous, but I envied that they spoke Spanish. Like full Spanish in the house. And they could communicate with each other and our dad in his native tongue. My Spanish just wasn't there. I could nod and say, pendejo and carajo. Forget using the conditional. Are you kidding me? Me hubiera gustado un hermano mayor que me haya enseñado español. Translation, I would have liked an older brother who taught me Spanish. 
Actually, I don't know if that translation is right. Let's let's forget Spanish for now. When it came to the estate, I needed Ralph's help in the beginning stages of tackling it, especially with details about David, like what's his middle name, and how do you start an estate? Well, you need paperwork. Hey, Mark, this is Ralph. Uh, just wanted to let you know I've picked up uh, David's death certificate, so we can begin to deal with stuff. And Ralph was on top of all the initial paperwork. So cool. I just need to get things started, and then I can tackle it on my own. And if it wasn't hard enough trying to prove my independence as an adult baby brother, I had to alternate between borrowing my mom's car and asking Ralph for rides down to Calvert County, Maryland. I told all of you about the rides I took with David when I was younger, where we'd blast through D.C. with the windows down, Pumping hard American metal, seatbelts off. Well, I had those memories. And now, there were these rides with Ralph. Appropriate speed, seatbelts on, and the satellite station sounds of Margaritaville. The playlist you're imagining in your head is probably accurate. Are you all that surprised that that station exists? And of course, this is not at all like the speed demon that was David. Before he died, David's license had been suspended. On the night of his death, he left a bar in Southern Maryland and sped off in a friend's Harley. At some point on his ride home, cops followed him and tried to pull him over. He went up a road he knew pretty well. When the motorcycle was found, the headlight was off, which makes us suspect that he turned off that headlight to camouflage his getaway. There was one turn that he didn't take well to, and... That was it. And like David's middle name and his birthday, I learned these details from Ralph. It was it was a little bit of a shock because I thought he had began to to settle down some. And I thought that he was getting closer to what I considered the norm, you know, um, what society considered the norm, stabilizing his life more. And on the ride down to David's house with Ralph... Well, this is, this is just really dumb, but I thought a lot about Dylan from 90210 or James Dean. This image of a misunderstood rebel on a motorcycle. At worst, they kept their life light and didn't have a lot of baggage, and there was no mess. And I mean, I'd gone to David's house a few years earlier. It was a grown man's house. Did you have any idea what you were walking into? No, I was, I was flabbergasted. It was a, a, a lost person's home. It was a person who had lost control of his life. What I never saw with any of these rebels in movies or TV shows is what happens when addiction and mental health aren't addressed. We had to wear masks when we walked in the door of David's house. Okay. Take his intentions and prayers. Wow. 
There was nothing of value. The house was unlivable. There was nothing. No TV, no real furniture, no books. And we searched for paperwork, car titles, anything under the rubble of trash, beer bottles, dog shit. We looked for David. The only thing I found and continue to find whenever I went back there were prayer cards from family funerals and childhood photos. Those were the only things that were kept in protected condition, like his high school graduation photo. I framed it later. It's the only thing I want to remember from that house. I told you that Ralph giggled and said good luck when I agreed to the estate. Well, this house, the house that we were standing in, was under foreclosure. David was a mechanic, and there were 34 vehicles on the property, including a boat, jet skis, a dump truck, a Ford Fairlane. I only had four car titles, 10 keys that worked, and dozens of owners. Owners who David was doing favors for. Owners who would be getting in touch with me about their vehicles. Owners who were all men who rode Harleys and could open beer bottles with their teeth. And if you pull the, oh, that's not too hard to do, Mark, then fine, you go and talk to these guys and let them know they have 60 days to get their car off the property or it's getting sold. God, on top of all that, David owed $20,000 to the IRS and about the same amount to creditors. He was facing jail time and he did not have a bank account or will. He came into town to avenge his half-brother. I mean, his brother's death. But then turned around and ran like, No, what did I get myself into? This summer, Mark Pagan is not back. And other men need to take care of this because this is some shit. Hey, Mark. This is Ralph. Um, I wanted to coordinate about getting together for tomorrow morning to go down there. Um, I guess give me a call. I got class at 7. Every week or so after starting the estate, Ralph would pick me up and we'd drive 90 minutes to Calvert County listening to the Margaritaville station. Ralph was scheduling these trips down to Calvert County with the classes he was taking to become a deacon in the Catholic Church. Out of my dad's sons, Ralph was a religious one always. Ralph really liked going to church. When I was a kid, we'd go out and got pizza like the whole family would. And with Ralph, we always had to pray beforehand in the middle of Pizza Hut. And I was like, no, 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 please, 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 please. No, 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 please, not this time. But I still embraced it because I wanted to have some relevance of a fraternal relationship with him. Like, yeah, he's my older brother. My older brother who taught me about cool music. And even though Ralph didn't get me dance hall or hip-hop CDs for Christmas, he gave me Otmar Liebert albums. And I was like, he's all right. You know, I, I can rock this. You know? Yeah. And I really tried to rock it in my Discman to school. And years later, there I was, sitting in the car every week, nodding along to some easy listening rock. Like, 
Yeah, I can fuck with this for a little bit. And week after week, we'd be at David's house, cleaning and searching for paperwork. Sometimes talking about the mountain of a mess he left for us. We laughed and we got frustrated and we cursed him out a few times. Every once in a while, I'd hear Ralph in the other room quietly say, David, why didn't you ask for help? I never weighed in or responded. We'd take a lunch break and go down to Mexico Restaurant. That's literally what it was called. I think Ralph used to pay for it. No, no, that's not right. No, David paid for our lunches with this giant jar of change we collected off the floor of his house. It added up to a number of enchilada platters. Ralph and I talked to the staff in Spanish. I was thrilled whenever this would happen. Ralph had no idea. When I was in my 20s, I improved my Spanish while living in South America. And when I came back, I took every opportunity to get Ralph to listen to me speak Spanish fluently. See, I can do it too. Me hubiera gustado otros platos de enchiladas. I would have liked another plate of enchiladas. God, I still don't know if I got that translation right. But I did it. We would talk in Spanish. I feel like we had some catching up to do, and these odd occasions popped up, like having an opportunity to explain to Ralph what my senior year of high school was like. Hey, Mark, um, this is Ralph. Uh, I was trying to get into the um, Bank of America thing so I can get the account number so I can make a deposit. It's asking me for uh, the year of your graduate, graduated from high school, and I, I don't recall that. Or the time Ralph jimmied open one of the car doors on David's property. I was like, damn, Rebel, where did that come from? And that time that we successfully broke into the car, that was actually the last trip Ralph planned to make with me. That was mostly my doing. I was like, I got this. You know, you're becoming a deacon. I'm fine. I can do this. Just give me a few more months. I will get rid of all of these vehicles. I will hand the house back to the bank. And I will get this wrapped up. It is time for me to make use of my rollover minutes. Today is January 3rd, 2013. Hours every day, I'd make phone calls. Thank you for calling yeah, the Bank of America. This is probably the 10th time I've had to call Bank of America. Or enter the account number or say, I don't have it. I don't have it. Do you want to access your account using the borrower's social security number and property zip code instead? Oh shit, I don't even have that either. I hate making phone calls. I hate doing this. I hate making phone calls. Fuck. And I continued to travel down to David's house while the voicemails piled up. Yes, Mark, I just got your call. Uh, let me try to do my best to locate a uh, tow truck. I'm calling regarding the 2000 Mazda B truck. Um, still having little issues with it. The uh, blue 67 Fairlane that's sitting out there. 
They even had my car down in the house and then in the garage. We're needing the uh, death certificate for the vehicle as well as the probate paperwork. If you are uh, in charge of your brother's estate, uh, I don't see any third party authorization on file. I'm not having any success in uh, getting that lien um, released for your brother. Hi, Mark. This is Mark. Hey, Mark, I'm getting a certified mail from you, man, saying um, I got 30 days to get my stuff off this property down there, but what do you want me to do, man? A gentleman just showed up about an hour ago trying to serve you paperwork. Your file was recently transferred to me. This call is from a debt collector. Any Mark to call us back about the title? Can you please give me a call back? Give me a call, man, so we can figure this out. Please call 1-888-306-9200, extension 228. Thank you, and have a great weekend. Hey, Mark, this is Ralph. Um, I was just calling to touch base with you on the estate stuff. Uh, give me a call when you get a chance. So when did I officially lose my mind during all of this? Sometime in late winter 2013, I was trying my hardest to get this one car that David actually owned to start, and I, I couldn't. I just couldn't get it to start. I was cursing, and I, I needed a break. And it was cold, and, and electricity was shut off in this nasty house, but I came anyway because who cares if I just scream and throw something onto the floor? Who's going to notice? And I came into that house and looked around and and it 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 just came out of me. I, I said, I'm 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 so sorry, David. I'm so sorry. And then I said, I'm I'm so sorry, Georgie, to to to, to our sister that we had lost. I, I, I don't know why, but I but I said this to her and then the waterworks started. It was just tears and tears and tears. And I said, I'm 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 so sorry, Angela. And I sort of paused and went, wait, wait, that's an ex-girlfriend that I said sorry to. And I was like, let's just keep going. And for 15 minutes, I mourned for my family and apparently every person I felt I had done wrong in my life. I think I even apologized to our dead family dog. When I stopped sobbing, I called Ralph and said, I can't get this car started. Can you help me? And he did. The car barely made it to the buy a car place, but it did make it. 34 vehicles sold or given back to the owners. The house went back to the bank. Creditors paid off. And in July 2013, I signed the paperwork at the Register of Wills in Maryland to close the estate of David Umberto Pagan. I cried when I got into the car in the parking lot and I sat there and cried for five minutes because that was what was left on the meter and government parking meter maids do not care if you are sobbing from grief relief. And I, I, I wanted to sit down with Ralph all these years later and, and have a conversation about it and it was, it was helpful. In your opinion, how in the world do you get rid of 32, 33 vehicles off of your uh, deceased brother's property. I, I look back upon it and, and the, the tasks that you took on dealing with all this, um, that had to be quite challenging, you know. You, you, you did a wonderful job. But Ralph said something that I really hadn't considered. 
to a certain degree, that was a gift David gave to us because we shared this, this experience. We shared that, that journey. And, and to me, that's more important is the fact that we shared that journey. You didn't leave me hanging. I didn't leave you hanging. We did it together. That's important because um, we got to be here for each other. You know, there's the, the initial idea, maybe a little bit of, uh, of hubris of like, I got this. I can do this. I can. I think partly it was a, a spiritual connection with him. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was building a relationship with our father. And um, <clears throat> I also I wanted I realized I wanted to prove in some ways to you guys that I was a brother. And, um, and I, I didn't realize how important that was to me. Dealing with his affairs really brought that out. Bottom line is we share the same father. Well, I, I don't want to say it's part, part, of, part of it is the, the Puerto Rican thing, um, but, but to a certain degree, I think it is. You're my brother and we're blood. That's, that's the way it is. So I've heard it. I've heard what I need to know. Ralph Gaspar and David Umberto, those are my brothers. After the interview you just heard with Ralph, he asked if I had time for lunch. We got pizza, we got calamari, a bottle of wine. And for the first time, he let me, the baby brother, pay for all of it. Which, actually, if I would have known, I would have ordered differently. I mean, a full bottle of wine? Also, we could have just gone with the free bread as an appetizer. We did not need the calamari. Uh, when we were taking care of some of the cars on the property, yeah. but we had to get into one and you somehow knew how to, what's it called when you can break into a car? Oh, basically, Jimmy I was like, when that. did Ralph learn how to do this? Is that from the uh, rebellious high school days? Uh, no, actually I learned that from David. <laughs> <laughs> Not that anybody asked, but my middle name is David. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Mark Pagan. Our lead producer is Caitlin May Burke, and our associate producers are Ben Goldberg and Rebecca Seidel. We receive support from IFP. Engineering, editing, all that fun technical stuff done by Ben, Rebecca, and myself. The music production and engineering for this episode was done by the incredible Alex Fulton. This is our last episode of season two. We want to thank you all for spending time with us and talking about the show. Our one request right now is if you go into the show notes for this week's episode, there is a link to a survey. 
We're not asking for anything else, but if you could take a few minutes and fill out some information in that survey so that we can go and make an incredible, incredible, incredible next season and continue doing the show. So please, if you could take the time and find that survey. If you can't find the link, go to our website, othermenneedhelp.com, and we'll have the link there for you to fill out. It's just a few questions. Like I said, this is it for season two, and we will be back as soon as we can. We will definitely have some bonus stuff for you in a few months. Right now, we are going to take a little vacation, but we're going to be thinking about all of you. And we want to thank you so, so much for continuing to support the show. We love doing it, and we love that you love it. Until next time, adios, ciao, ciao, bye. I, I'm just curious. Do you still listen to the Margaritaville station on? <laughs> yeah, interestingly enough, no, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I very strikingly remember that. I remember there was one ride where the Margaritaville was on. There was a song by Desmond Decker called Israelites. I was listening to that and I was like, wait a second. I don't think it's a Margaritaville song. <laughs> it's like, this is not the right playlist. <laughs>